Hi guys, welcome to episode 12 of season four of the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast. Today, we're talking about quite possibly the greatest lie we have ever been told related to real food. Before we get into that, I want to make sure I announce the winner of a copy of my book over on Apple Podcast. She left a really sweet review. Thank you. Her handle is a storybook life. And I right away, when I saw the winner, recognized that that is Pearl over on Instagram. We've connected over there. We've messaged. So congratulations, Pearl. You have won not only a copy of my book, but also a copy, well, lifetime access to my new course, Making Maple Syrup. So congratulations. Yay. Um, also, I wanted to make sure I remind you, because I haven't been telling you every episode when we first started this season, which of course is all about how to make real food more convenient, I had created a document for you based on my own pantry checklist that I use to help me keep real food in stock in the home, because that's the first step to really making real food more convenient. So if you haven't already grabbed that, I hope you have, but if you haven't, make sure you go over to solelyrested.com slash pantry and download that free, I think it's like seven pages, that free checklist that will show you the items that are important for me that I always make sure I have on hand in my pantry. Okay. Um, first thing when I was thinking about this episode is I was thinking about life 50, 60, maybe even 80 years ago. Were ladies in the kitchen, like I was specifically thinking like my grandmother. So I guess this would be more like 80 years ago. Um, were they complaining in the kitchen the way we do today? Like, it's so easy for me to grumble. It's so easy if I spend 45 minutes on something and then somebody complains or says it doesn't taste right. Like, of course I just start to grumble. Like, do you have any idea like what I invested into this for you? Can you just like find something in it you like and be happy? <laughs> but I was wondering, you know, did my grandmother get cranky like that over, I don't know, kitchen mess ups or not having the right ingredients? And I'm not saying that she didn't, but my guess is 80 years ago, women, especially ones like my grandmother who lived in the rural areas of the country were probably much more thankful than we are today. And this is getting into that biggest lie. Um, I think it's twofold why we are less grateful today for real food than we were decades ago. First of all, I think it's simply that farmers who lived in the country were worried from month to month if their flour would last or you know if they'd have the things on hand that they needed or if if their items that they preserved from the previous summer would last until they had a new harvest this summer like these were genuine concerns so anything that they were able to put on the table was seen with gratitude and today in our plentiful society in our plentiful nation we have really no idea. We can pretend we do, we can talk about it, but I don't think we have any idea 
what that feeling would have been like. That, you know what? I'm not going to complain that this is not the exact taste that I wanted for dinner. And I'm not going to complain that it's a little too done or a little undercooked or whatever, because I'm really thankful that I have nourishment to feed my family tonight. Like that's just not something we have to think about today. But the second reason that I think we have a lot less gratitude today when it comes to our food and when we see real food as being so difficult and complicated, I really think that we can credit a lot of it to the marketers, those brilliant advertisers who long ago figured out when it comes to food, if they were going to sell us the processed junk and the mixes in the boxes, that they needed to sell us convenience. And suddenly, anything that wasn't completely convenient, I say with air quotes, you know, whatever convenient means for you specifically on any given night, if it wasn't convenient, then tag on it. If anything goes wrong, I'm going to grumble and I am not going to be grateful. But I mean, we've been fed this lie our entire lives, this lie that food must be quick easy and very convenient because we have to squeeze it in among all those other things that are so much more important than food, right? So we have to buy that expensive box on the shelf of whatever it is that I can just add hot water to and in two minutes have a meal, then that's what I have to have because I need that convenience because food isn't what's important. Nutrition isn't what's important. What's important are all those other things in my day. So I don't know. That's what I see as the biggest lie that we have to deal with. And we have to unpackage it and work through it like intentionally. If we want to start enjoying real food more, if we want to appreciate nutrition more, we have to unpackage this lie. We have to retell ourselves the truth because we're continually still fed this lie. Any ad that you watch from a restaurant or from a food manufacturer, in some way, they're feeding you this lie that you need convenience. There's nothing more important in your day than all the things that aren't related to food. And you need your food to be super easy. Nutrition, you know, that's that's not an issue. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so back in season three, we actually unpackaged this a lot. So I'm not going to, I'm going to stop there as far as the marketing thing. Cause we talked a lot about this back in episode one and two, I believe it was back in season three. So go back and dive into those. If you'd like to think more about this whole marketing scenario and what they're, <laughs> I just realized it's quite a pun that I wasn't intending what they're feeding us, you know, the lie that they're feeding us. So, um, I was thinking, you know, I think what it really comes down to is whoever said, why do we think that the best life is an easy life? You know, it goes beyond the kitchen. It goes beyond food. It goes into our whole attitude towards life that we think the best one is the easy one. Guys, that's wrong. Like, instead, we need to really trust that there is going to be abundant satisfaction on the other end of hard. 
And we need to trust that there's going to be abundant gratitude on the other end of inconvenient. And you know what? I really, I'm starting to learn. It's been a long process for me, but I'm really starting to learn that the better life in general, and I wouldn't have said this a decade ago. I really wouldn't have. So if you don't agree with me, trust me for five tenths, no, not five tenths. <laughs> I wanted to say four fifths, but I'm not a numbers person. And somehow it came up for four fifths of my life, which again, not a numbers person. That is 80%, isn't it? <laughs> for 80% of my life, I would have said this, nah, this isn't true, but I'm really starting to firmly believe that a better life in general is on the other end of the road less traveled. I was always, always the person who wanted to be, you know, in high school in the cool crowd. I really wasn't like, there were like these four levels of like cool at the top. And I was kind of on the outskirts of cool, you know, but anyway, <laughs> like that was really important to me growing up and, and my image that I was giving others and, you know, others don't like the image you're giving them unless you're like them. Right. So like, I didn't want to take that road less traveled. I wanted to be right there where everybody else was. So like I said, this is a learning process for me. And like you also said, this isn't just about food. I'm realizing the more that I talk, but I meant this to be just about food. Um, and when it comes to food, the road less traveled, I firmly believe leads to a better life. So, I mean, that's what it all comes down to, right? Simple doesn't mean easy, but simple is what those of us who are connecting here on this platform, it's what we're wanting. Um, one thing I was thinking about this week as I was thinking about this episode is that I've really started to enjoy less. Like I'm not a minimalist at all. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, oh my, <laughs> you would know I'm not a minimalist. My barn attic needs to be cleaned out so badly. Um, but what I mean is when it comes to food, like it doesn't have to be really fancy. It doesn't have to have a whole lot of variety. And I don't have to have eight different choices of what I could have for dinner. I've really discovered that I enjoy less and that it, it's really okay. Um, let me explain. Like in different seasons, I realize that our food is very different and my attitude towards it is different. And what I focus on is different. Like right now we're still in winter and I'm still very much into, you know, making the pot roasts and having lots of meat and potatoes and gravy. And it's always mashed potatoes, right? And well, it's also baked potatoes. I like baked potatoes, especially with some good sour cream and cheese and bacon. Okay. Now I'm getting kind of hungry. Um, but you know, I, I enjoy making food more because I feel like you kind of have just more time. The days are shorter, the nights are longer and darker, and why not spend more time in the kitchen? And we all just crave the heartier food, I feel like, and, and hot chocolate. Like I get my adaptogens in my hot chocolate and I have a cup daily. And um, I'm trying to think, oh, baking. I do a lot more baking, I make a lot more bread. I mean, Every single week, sometimes twice a week, I'm making two loaves of bread and it's just Bill and I. 
<laughs> we do like bread. I don't, we don't always eat all of that. I will also slice it and then we'll have extra if we have company for dinner or whatever, but we eat a lot of bread in the winter. Um, as soon as spring hits, we don't have a craving for all that heavier food. And I just don't have the time to make it, honestly. Um, for baking, I've really been into rye cookies using fresh milled rye flour. So, so good. And I will often put aside some of that and freeze it. And I'll freeze it in a portion that's just right for a small cast iron, like a single serving cast iron pan, you know, those little skillets. And I'll put that single serving giant cookie on my cast iron pan and then put a little bit of fresh made um, maple ice cream on top. Ice cream is something that is usually a summer thing that we do like a lot of that in the winter too. I mean, I kind of like ice cream anytime really. <laughs> um, okay. So that's like the way food looks in the winter for me. Right. But then spring it's coming soon. And I already, in fact, I just got in the mail yesterday, something I'm really excited about. I haven't even shared it over on Instagram yet, but I will soon. Um, a new sprouting setup that I'm really excited about. But springtime, I really start craving sprouts. Often in the beginning of winter, I do as well. Once the garden has been put to bed for maybe a month or two, I pull out my sprout trays and I grow a lot of sprouts for three or four weeks. And, and then I put it aside because I have other things I'm busy with. And then right about the beginning of spring, usually around the time that sugar season ends. And I know the garden is still so far away until I'm going to have fresh food in the garden. I love sprouts again. So I will grow them. It only takes about three to five days, depending on what you're growing from beginning till ready to eat. So it's a really simple, easy way to have fresh food growing in your kitchen any time of the year. So there are certain times of the year that I really, really crave that. And that time is coming up pretty soon. Um, and I kind of switch over. I no longer am drinking hot chocolate, but I'll put my adaptogens into my smoothies at that point. And I love smoothies from spring through fall pretty much. So the hot chocolate goes to the wayside, but I'm still getting the adaptogens and all the other really great protein in my smoothie. Right. Um, and then when, um, when summer hits, you know, food becomes a totally different thing. In fact, I feel like we eat a lot less in the summer. You know, it's just, maybe you're just too busy. I don't know. But but what we are eating is totally all fresh food. And I get excited just thinking about it, just bringing the warm tomato up from the garden and slicing it and pulling the bacon out of the oven and putting the fresh lettuce on. And then I do still make bread in the summer, just not as often because you got to have fresh bread for the, for the fresh tomato BLT. And we'll have BLTs for dinner probably two or three times a week. And Bill and I both love it. And when the girls were with us, they all did too. Like it's a really good dinner. Some days I have a BLT for lunch and dinner. I am that weird. But, um, you know, so my point is all of these things, like it's really not a lot of variety, right? And it's even kind of, you could say boring in the sense that it's, it's the same every season in the sense that every spring I have a lot of X, Y, or Z. And every summer we're eating a whole lot of BLTs. Every winter we're eating a lot of stew and, and potatoes, right? So although, you know, we do eat a lot of potatoes in the summer too, it just switches over. It's no longer the mashed or the baked potatoes. Sometimes I'll throw a baked potato on the grill, but it's usually the air fry, um, potato fries. So like there's a little bit of change up from season to season, right? Getting my adaptogens in different places, 
my smoothie, I will start freezing in the summer. So then it's like a frozen pop. Like you change things up a little bit, pretty much real food. I mean, it's kind of boring if you want to compare it to the 80 different options you might have of packaged food that you could go to. But I find that I really, really love that. I love the simplicity and I love the seasonal nature of real food. I really do. And the more I've learned about the seasonal nature of food and the more that I try to respect the seasonal nature of food, the more it satisfies me and the more I see it as exciting and not boring. I don't know. The really thing is, the really weird thing is too, things that I used to think were, oh, so good. I now, like the junk food, usually kind of repulse me or don't interest me. Now, I do not want to sound like a purist because I absolutely am not. And I will tell you right now, I eat junk food. It happens. Sometimes it happens a few times a week, even. Sometimes it happens a few times a day if I'm having a bad day. Like, I definitely eat junk food. I'm not going to lie. Um, sometimes I get a little upset with Bill that he is more into processed food than I have gone away from. And he really wants, you know, his bags of chips and certain snacks that he just really wants on hand. So sometimes I get a little mad about that because I know he wants that. So that's what I buy. And he has his section of his junk food. But sometimes the reason I get mad is I like crave it. And if it wasn't in the house, couldn't eat it. But I will go and grab a bag of chips sometimes if I'm really craving the salty greasiness. <laughs> but, but I can say it has been so much less over the years that I crave it. And it's actually very seldom. In fact, someone, a very, very sweet meaning couple brought me tasty cakes the other day because they were visiting from down South. And I don't know if you live, if you live in the mid Atlantic area, you know, tasty cakes. I don't know how far they travel. Maybe they have expanded, um, how far they, they go out now, but they're, I think, are they out of Philly? It's, it's a certain kind of packaged cupcake that I used to love. There's like, I don't know, 10, 12 different varieties. There's like Bill likes butterscotch crimpets. And what are these called? I'm can't, uh, I'm forgetting what they're called now. The ones that I used to love. They're a chocolate cake with a little bit of white icing and then a hard chocolate covering around it. Well, this friend knew that I used to love that. And they knew that I can't get tasty cakes up here in New England now where we've lived for five years. So they brought them to me and it took everything in me to act excited. Cause I certainly, I thought it was so sweet and I certainly didn't want them to think I didn't appreciate it, but I saw them and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Cause I, I, don't want them and Bill doesn't eat chocolate. Like, <laughs> so I just, a lot of things like that, that I would have went crazy over and craved and I just not into it anymore. So my, I guess my point is the more that we realize that we need to change the narrative, we need to not believe the lie that food has to be convenient and packaged and right there in our hand with those delicious tastes that we can't create from real food. I mean, you cannot create that tasty cake taste from a real cupcake. It's, it's different. You can't, um, as soon as we change that narrative in our brain though, when we start reworking through it, okay. I shouldn't say as soon as, cause it takes a long time, years of working through that and changing the narrative in your brain and changing your palate because what you're, you know, you're eating on a regular basis 
suddenly that other stuff, that junk stuff, that process stuff, it actually is genuinely less appealing. And I think that is an amazing, wonderful thing. I think part of it too, isn't just the changing the narrative idea, but it's um, your palate starts to appreciate the real flavor of real food when you're not filling it with the chemicals and the processed sugars and the refined flours and all of the bad fats. You know, when you're when you stop tasting that, you're able to start tasting the really goodness of the good nutritional food. I don't think that sentence was grammatically correct, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so two thoughts about this. Um, one, I, I really think that happiness lies in our ability when it comes to food to extract joy from the commonness of food, to see the joy in that seasonal nature and to love the fact that, okay, we're having potatoes, but it's a different form. I crave the, the mashed in the winter and I crave the air fried in the summer. And to really start enjoying that, it's a common thing, but it can get you kind of excited when you realize that like I said, happiness lies in our ability to extract joy from common things, not the fancy things, not the insane variety of options that we could have with processed food, but just common. What's in season? The regular old food. When you start realizing that, it really does bring joy. And um, second of all, there's a little story behind this one. In the end, everything I've been talking about, it's not going to work if you don't work on your attitude toward the food. And I'll be honest, I still have plenty of moments in the kitchen, like I was talking about at the beginning of this episode, that I get cranky. Like, on it, don't you dare turn your nose up and say you don't like the taste of this. I just spent 45 minutes making it. You better act like you like it. You know, <laughs> I, I have that attitude for sure. Or even worse, if I've been negligent on my pantry checklist and I go to make something and I'm halfway through, this happened last week, halfway through putting together all the ingredients, realize I don't have something, something essential. I can get really cranky, but it all comes down to my attitude. And here's the story that I was referring to. Um, <clears throat> we had just moved here nine years ago and Kayla, my one daughter, who is my ag girl, my farm girl, my real food fanatic, um, she and I were starting on this journey that we didn't even realize at the time because it was just baby steps, very baby steps. But we were starting on this journey towards eliminating processed and having more real food in our kitchen. And she had this idea, I think it was her idea, to make, um, no, I'm, I'm remembering the story wrong. It wasn't, we, I know what it was. We were having marinated chicken for dinner and it required Italian dressing to marinate the meat. And we had started down the path of making this meal, good way into it. And I realized I didn't have Italian salad dressing. And I got really, really cranky because we had lived just a month before this, we just moved. We lived in the middle of suburbia. We were about 25 minutes south of Philly. 
We were in a very congested suburb in Northern Delaware. And I'm not exaggerating to tell you that I could hop in my car and be at one of, I'm trying to picture them all, one, two, three, four, five grocery stores within probably a two mile radius every way. And even more than that of like pharmacies and drugstores, like it, it was, there were that many people, it was that populated that this many stores were needed and they were all successful. They all had plenty of business. So hopping in the car to go grab something was really not a big deal. So just a month prior to this, I'd have been like, okay, I'll be back in about 10 minutes. I'm going to go get it. And I still would have been a little cranky, but I could have had my Italian dressing and we could have made our meal. Well, I'm turning the kitchen upside down and I'm looking even in boxes because we still had some things in boxes and I'm getting more cranky as the minutes go on. And poor Kayla, she's dealing with my fuming or ignoring it. <laughs> but she, meanwhile, is being very practical. She's finding a computer and she's doing a little research because it dawns on her, unlike me, we could probably make it. So she's like, mom, this sounds pretty good. I think we have all these ingredients. Why don't we try making it? It blew my mind. It blew my mind. It literally like, that was the reason I remember this so well. It was like the beginning of my realization that I can make pantry staples, like so many things in my kitchen that I buy in plastic bottles or in plastic bags stuck inside of a brightly colored box, I could make myself. And then it wouldn't have all this ingredient list that has eight things I can't pronounce on it. It would literally be the four different things that I put in it to make it, right? So never in my life until that moment, until necessity made it a requirement, had I ever thought about making salad dressing? <laughs> I mean, now when I think about it, nine years later, it seems funny and I have to laugh, but I never once thought about making salad dressing. So there is a point to this story. I'm getting to it. <laughs> we had a few years before this really done a deep dive into um, Philippians 4, 8. And I had spent an entire week with my daughters in doing this challenge that I created, just called a 4-8 challenge. And every single day we were reading this verse, we were thinking about it, and we were trying to change our attitude. And we were realizing it was a really neat week that made me realize every single thought that I had that was negative, I could literally take captive and I could find a positive side to it. Every situation that I was in, no matter how bad, no matter how difficult, there was absolutely something positive. And if I could focus on that something positive, it could literally change my day, change my life. It's, it's, it's alter, it's life altering to really realize. So, well, the verse, you know what, I'm going to actually read it. I have it right here because my daughters all could tell it to you by heart. They're great at memorization. I'm not as great. And I always wind up forgetting one or two of these adjectives. So, so I don't forget any, whatever is true whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So don't think about the fact that it's 18 mile drive to the nearest stoplight, which is then another three miles from the nearest store. Don't think about the fact that 
it's going to take me longer now to make this meal because I have to stop and make my salad dressing. Instead, focus on the truth. Wow. It feels really good to know that I have these ingredients that I can put together and I know exactly what's in my salad dressing or focus on what is lovely about the situation. Oh, this gives me more time to create something with Kayla and to work together on this little mini project, you know, et cetera. I could go on and on, but if you have a four-eight attitude, and even if you are not a Christian, even if, you know, the Bible is not your source of daily wellspring of life, like it is for myself, um, it, it's still a life-changing thought that any situation, no matter how negative you can find a positive side to it and it makes things so much better. And you know what? It's the same thing with real food because I promise you, once you start down this journey of, okay, I'm going to start making more meals from scratch. Okay. I'm going to see if I can replace a pantry staple or two. Maybe I'll do a couple a year, you know? So after, after five years, maybe I'll have 10 pantry staples that I can make myself or you know whatever it is that you set as a goal for yourself i guarantee you it's going to be hard you're going to have obstacles you're going to have times that you like want to throw in the towel but if you can look at it through this other set of glasses through this gratitude through this the 48 attitude <laughs> and by the way 48 maybe i should have said in the beginning that's because it's chapter 4 verse 8 so it would be 4 colon 8 attitude anyway um, it really makes all this stuff we're talking about today with overcoming the lies and changing the narrative about real food, it makes it a whole lot easier if you guard your attitude towards it. And if you make your, you, you make a conscious decision to have a positive, thankful, grateful attitude towards the whole process, because it's worth it. Trust me. It really, really is. It's taken us nine years to get to the point where we are. And I still have a long ways to go. Like I said, I still have junk food, like right over there in the corner of the kitchen. Like, but wow, when I think back to just a few years ago and what I'm doing better and differently now, it gets me really excited. And on top of that, I just feel so much better. I have more energy. It's just, it's a really good, good place to be. So trust me, it's worth it to really work hard at being grateful, even though it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Okay. Um, what else did I want to tell you? Oh, I want to tell you about two different, um, signs. I have this piece of paper in my office that I printed out long ago that hung in our schoolroom right by the girls' clipboards. They had clipboards that they kept track of their daily things they had to do for school. And this sign was right by that. Now it's just, in my office, right over the door. So as I'm exiting my office, I will stop and notice this sign every once in a while. It's a quote from Oswald Chambers. And it says, what we call the process, God calls the end. And I think about that in a lot of different areas of my life, but I think it applies to the kitchen too. We call it the process that, oh, I'm working through this and it's taken me nine years and it's been hard. And I've had a lot of burnt meals and a lot of problems along the way and missing ingredients and messed up things. But you know what? Every, all of that was the end that I'm working towards. Like I'm in the midst of exactly what I'm working towards and I'm grateful for it. And it's been a really fun experience. So I hope that makes sense. I'm not sure if I 
conveyed my thoughts well, but hopefully that makes sense. And then the other sign is on our front door. We live in a really old farmhouse. Bill's never been crazy about this sign. I think he sees it as ironic, <laughs> but it's just simple twigs that are formed in a star. I think it was probably supposed to be a Christmas decoration, honestly, but I love it. And it doesn't necessarily look Christmassy. It looks folk art kind of. And in the middle of the star, there's this oval wooden kind of plaque and it just has one word on it. It says simplify. And I really like that as I'm stepping through the threshold into home, I'm like taking a breath and I'm reminding myself, I need to simplify. I need to not be so stressed. I need to leave the stress of whatever I was just doing behind <laughs> and simplify and think about what's truly important in my home, in my relationship with my family, in my day. Um, so I'm nowhere near self-sufficient. In fact, you know what? I don't think that's a reality. And I don't think it was meant to be. I don't think we were ever meant to be totally self-sufficient. We were, as people, we were built to be relational. We're happier when we are in relations and we're meant to work together. No man's an island. We all have different talents, different abilities. We're meant to work together. So I really believe we're supposed to be in community and never be able to be off grid, disconnected from the world in every way and totally able to provide everything that we need to survive. Um, I think when you really look closely at the people who feel they're self-sufficient and you really analyze everything. There's something, it might be something little, it might not be much, but there's something that they need others for, whether it's someone to replace their solar panel or someone to buy their barrel from that they need to put to collect their rainwater or, you know, I, whatever. Um, so I just went on a tangent. Basically, I, I was going to say that I'm not self-sufficient, but I do believe in little small ways, one step at a time, I can learn a new skill. I can learn a new recipe. I can learn to uh, mill fresh flour. I can learn to make my own kombucha so I don't have to buy it at the store. I can learn to make my own sugar so I don't have to buy that at the store and I don't have to buy refined sugar that has chemicals in it. And then we all learn our different things. We all help each other. But in the end, we can rely on each other. Like maybe you grow the wheat, right? And then I mill it for both of us. Or, you know, maybe I have all the trees, but don't have the time to tap. So you tap the trees and we share the syrup or whatever. Like in a world, if, if all the systems that we rely on do completely crash, I don't think there's any other way we can survive. I do not think there's any way any of us could keep surviving on any long-term basis as islands, I think we need each other. And I think any little skill we can be learning now is going to help us because we know the systems are broken. It's obvious. There's no denying it really. So we know that they're all crumbling little by little. And if there comes a point that the systems all collapse at once, it'll be really good that we learn these skills. Now I don't remember why I went on this tangent, <laughs> but, um, I guess I was just going to say, just, you know, don't feel overwhelmed. Be grateful for just one little thing you can learn, one little skill 
you can dive into. And in fact, if you're wondering what that should be, if you're following, if you follow me on Instagram, go over, I have a highlight that says free resources and it has like eight or nine, maybe a dozen free resources that I've created that you can dive into to start deciding what skill do you want to learn and to start helping you process, you know, what you need to know to start doing that, whether it's um, making kombucha, grinding your own flour, knowing how to cook with your fresh flour, um, sprouting, cooking pasture-raised pork and all the different options you have with that, dehydrating and how you can use that as a wonderful way to preserve your food. The list goes on and on. So um, check out the show notes that go with the episode. If you go to solelyrested.com and then search for S4E12, season four, episode 12, and all the links will be there and just choose one or two and dive in. It's free. I've created all of these little e-courses just for this purpose to help you figure out what's something new you can learn and work towards being just a little more um, relying on real food instead of processed food. There's other things there too, by the way, like um, how to help your kids have more of an entrepreneurial mindset because that's something I'm pretty passionate about. I loved seeing our girls grow into entrepreneurs um, or how to be an online content creator. I love doing that. And I have secrets I share to help you grow that. If you have a small business and you want to grow your online platform or whatever. So there's lots of things. Just, just go check it out. You'll be glad you did. Okay. So um, in the end, I guess to wrap it all up, I'll just say this, you know what? We are gifted with our time and our health and the ability we have to have the resources that we do, the books we might have, the online accounts that we might follow to learn something new. And you're gifted this time. So it's a blessing to take the time to learn some new skill and then gift it back to our family, the people we love to, to gift them with more nutrition. Like it's a really great thing. So if you want to have more of a unrushed, simpler life, you really have to figure out how you're going to underwhelm your schedule. Decide what's not so important. You know, we talked about at the beginning of the episode that we've all been convinced very wisely by really savvy marketers that what's important is everything else other than the real food and the nutrition, right? But instead, you really need to unpackage what are you deeming as important by the time that you spend on it and take some of those things out of your schedule. I mean, it has to happen if you want to make room, right, for spending more time making a meal once in a while. You have to underwhelm your schedule. Um, and that'll give you room then in your kitchen or in your living room or in your garden or in your backyard. You'll have more room to like fill up your hours with things that overflow and overwhelm your soul. It's a really good thing. So remember that the time you have, you're gifted with, and you really do have a choice of how you're going to use it and how you're going to use what you create with that time to gift others. So thanks for listening, guys, as I've been rambling on and on with all these thoughts that have filled my head this week. And um, I'll catch up with you on the next episode next week. 
of the Simple Doesn't Easy Mean Easy podcast. I do know the name of my podcast. <laughs> Next Monday's episode is going to be the last one in this series. I'm super excited about it. It's been quite a long time coming. I'm sorry that over on Instagram in the summer, I actually told you guys, oh, I'm going to do this episode. And then life happened and I haven't yet actually recorded this episode, but I am, I've been excited about it since summer. I'm going to break down for you. I'm going to give you a few lists and insight into what I did last spring and summer to lose those impossible to lose pounds and to really get more in fit and more healthy. So I'm excited to share those insights with you. And trust me, it's simple. It's not any product that you have to buy. It's not any complicated thing that you have to do. I promise you, these are insights and tips that everyone can take to heart and do. So remember guys, because it's easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life and all the simple everyday efforts that come with it. It's not easy. I know, but trust me, it's a good life.